Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. One thing I don't think people really realize about trans men is we lose our first queer affirmations if not all, but most of us, I would say, start out in the lesbian community. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beauty Translated. Keeping with a theme of talking to guys, this week, my guest is Blake Dotson, a trans man based out of Seattle, who I came to know by his Instagram handle, a queer cowboy. In this episode, we discuss Blake's upbringing in the Pacific Northwest, his work in oncology, doing drag on horseback, the horses that are a part of his life, the concept of being partially stealth, and trans discourse from the trans male perspective. Please enjoy my conversation with the lovely Blake Dotson. Hello, Beauty Translated listeners. This week, I am here with yet another friend that I made through that horrible little app um, that we call Instagram, but I've made so many wonderful friends through there. He is known online as a queer cowboy, but his name is Blake Dotson. Um, Blake, welcome to the pod. How's it going? It's going well. Pretty much rolled out of bed since it's my day off today. (laughs) And you're in you're over there in Seattle, is that right? Yeah. How's the weather? It has been beautiful up until today. It decided to show its Seattle self where it's crappy and rainy outside. Oh, beautiful. That's why I want to move there um, <laughs> one day. Well, Blake, can you give the listeners a little bit of an introduction to who you are and maybe even tell us about the backstory of your Instagram name? <laughs> I am from Seattle, not from the city itself, but from a little farm town known for soccer, (laughs) which is weird. It's in the middle of nowhere, but the biggest thing it has is its soccer community. I didn't play soccer growing up. I played baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
And so, yeah, rural, small farm town. It has more uh, gas stations and churches than anything. Yeah. So Washington sort of sounds like Atlanta in that way, where you say like Seattle is like very liberal. It's like the blue bubble, I guess. And then like everything outside of Seattle is very conservative, I'm assuming. Yep. There's still Trump signs all over everything. But I've lived in the city for a couple of years now. And then, yeah, I guess some story about my Instagram name is obviously very gay. <laughs> and I appreciate that cowboy culture does not acknowledge how gay it is. And found some nuance in that. And I was like, well, I'm just going to call myself a queer cowboy because I'm really gay. And I appreciate like... <laughs> Cowboy culture is like naturally rhinestoned is the way I like to think about it, but they don't like to think that. So that's kind of where I found the source of it. (laughs) Yeah. And it feels like there has been kind of like a revival, I guess, of like the queerness of more country or rural roots like that. So it's really cool. I I love your page. I love your content. I love seeing you with the horses and all of that kind of stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about the horses? So I used to have two. I had Ted and Fred, and I did not plan that. (laughs) I had Ted first, and then Fred was a gift to me from an old boss of mine that I used to clean her stalls, because that's what I did for a long, long time. And after my last show horse passed from cancer, she gifted me him as a companion for Ted. I had the two of them for five years, and then I moved into Seattle, so I can't afford to board two because cost of living is crazy. And so I just have Ted now, and I've had him for eight years. He's the only child I will ever have. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big child. Yeah, he's a 1,400-pound toddler. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I just have Ted. I've shown competitively for my whole life, basically. I do discipline called Western Pleasure. And to a gay person, that probably sounds like something else. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah. But basically, it's like pageantry on horseback to look really disciplined. Everything has to be groomed and pretty. We go slow. We don't do the barrel racing or any of that. It's all slow, pretty, and controlled. (laughs) Slow, pretty, and controlled. Okay. Yeah. I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very much like, you know, like drag-centric. That's what cracks me up. There's very much a tie between, like, horse showing and drag. (laughs) Like, that culture of, like, pageantry. Yeah. Yeah. I do the version of it that's probably the most similar to drag as well. Before I transitioned, I was showing, presenting as female, and it's very much like doing drag on horseback because you do all the rhinestones, do your makeup, Mm. hair, everything is very draggy. And I've shown some of the pictures of like show wear or attire to some uh, drag queens I know, and they're like, wow, I would do that. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I didn't ever realize how much pageantry was involved there. But tell us about like the connection between horse shows and like drag culture. Is there any more overlap there? Even how much the horse, it's kind of dragged for them (laughs) because (laughs) my horse gets all of his whiskers clipped, his ears clipped. Going from springtime to summertime, he gets a full body clip. So his coat is short and shiny. 
and he gets bathed about three times before a show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we call it banding, where their mane is in like, tiny little ponytails, like all the way across. So yeah. it's all like together and groomed uh, and then he gets hair extensions as well <laughs> wow <laughs> the first time hair. i showed that to my girlfriend she lost her mind was like <laughs> oh my god he has a freaking wig and i'm like yeah <laughs> he has a uh piece yeah a little pony piece <laughs> yeah it's literally a piece that goes in his tail that's like as long as his tail and it's basically literally yeah to just fill it out so it looks prettier so he's yeah he's doing drag (laughs) wow i am never gonna look at a horse show the same ever again knowing how much goes into the drag of it all for the horse and (laughs) and the performer as well that's amazing thank you for that yeah I want to move on to, we haven't mentioned this yet, but you work in a cancer clinic, correct? I do. My official title is a certified nuclear medicine technologist, which is really just fancy for doing uh, medical scanning. My degree allows me to work in a lot of different kinds of imaging, but I took this job that is strictly cancer imaging. What drove you to go into cancer work, into oncology? Probably from my last horse having cancer, and we didn't know how bad it was until it was bad. Um, And I am lucky enough to not have a lot of cancer in my family, so that's not where it comes from, but horses are an integral part of my life, and I guess that's what, you know, was the driving force. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and I'm really sorry to hear about losing your horse that way. That's horrible to lose anyone that way, much less an animal that's a part of your family. So one thing I wanted to ask you was, have you encountered other trans people in your work in cancer? And do you feel like there's any way that trans people get left out of conversations about cancer? Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't have any trans coworkers or very little amount of queer coworkers. In fact, I've never actually had one. I've just mm-hmm. met other people, like especially going through school and that kind of stuff. But I do have very few, but they are there, trans and queer patients. And that is the main reason that I went into healthcare is it's getting larger as we age in this generation, but There are queer elders out there, and not even some elders. I have a trans patient that is my age that has an aggressive throat cancer that I've been dealing with through their treatments. And yeah, that is probably the reason that I chose to go into healthcare. And back to touching on kind of how small the population is, the hardest part for me is when I do get the very few stragglers left from the HIV pandemic where they have HIV-related lymphoma. Those Mm. ones are usually where I go home, cry, and drink. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's hard. But, I mean, it has to be meaningful that somebody who actually cares genuinely is there treating them. I was just going to ask you, like, do you feel like a lot of the people you work with are, like, older and, like, of a different generation. I know when I was a teacher, for instance, I worked with like tons of older people who were like maybe a little bit more conservative and stuff. And nurses sometimes can be that way. Is that something you encounter? Yeah, definitely. Luckily in Seattle, it's not so hardcore, but there are still very much 
a big band of straight white people that they have no idea what my actual life outside of work is like and that kind of stuff or queer issues. I had an encounter one time where a genderqueer patient, I think, came through and they didn't want their sex specified. And it became a big deal. Well, like, okay, do we scan this patient, male or female? And I was like, no, it really doesn't matter. The radiologist is going to interpret it as a body no matter what. So it doesn't freaking matter. And I don't like being out at work so much. So I didn't like, you know, center it back to myself and be like, well, I'm a queer and trans person. I don't like drawing attention to myself at work in that way. So I just did my best not to make it about me, but I just had to like make them see this is something that people deal with. And you just have to make yourself see it for what it is. You can't just like beat around the bush about it. I can especially relate to feeling like conflicted about those types of things in a work environment because how do you bring that up? Do you bring it up? It's always conflicting. All right, listeners, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more from my conversation with Blake. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. 
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. I wanted to get a trans man's perspective on inner community discourse, so I asked Blake to share his thoughts with us. Well, Blake, you and I, obviously, we met on Instagram, and you know, on Instagram, I have I'm, I have a reputation of being a shit poster. <laughs> I'm trying to change that. I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm being a nice girl, 2023. I'm day one. I'm doing really well so far. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I just sometimes, we have a lot of opinions, right? So... <laughs> Sometimes we get into the to the discourse. One thing I notice is that a lot of the trans inner community discourse is led by a lot of white trans women. And we don't often get people of color's perspectives in there or even like trans male perspectives in there. So I wanted to ask you as a trans man, what is your take on a lot of the inner community discourse that we face? <laughs> um, my perspective as a trans man, I don't often get to voice my opinion and neither do a lot of other trans men because in the interpersonal part of the community, like especially trans women often tell us, well, you're a man, so shut up. 
And that's pretty much how they address it. But also we have a different socialization, I guess, compared to everyone else, especially a lot of us that didn't transition until our 20s or later on in life. We were socialized as women growing up. And so there is this hard thing for us where we're thrown in the middle of, okay, well, you identify as a man now, so these people are going to perceive you as a man and tell you to shut up and you don't get to have an opinion because you are a man. And then it's like, well, wait, I'm dealing with the same discrimination as you, so, like, uh, my opinion is valid, but since we're thrown in that middle part, I don't see a lot of trans men pushing to voice their opinion because they're constantly fighting against other trans women or trans femmes being like, well, you identify as man and that's toxic masculinity or whatever. So shut up and don't tell us how we feel or whatever. You know, obviously I don't advocate for that, but it's interesting because I think it's like almost projecting the way that society treats us as trans women onto trans men now that they're men. And I think we just need to kind of like smash that all together because, you know, I've touched a little bit about this on the show. No gender identity is more superior than the other. Cis people, trans people, trans women, trans men, all of that, like MBs, all of that, like no one gender identity. It's just almost like religion, right? Like no one religion has the final say. But yeah, it's interesting to me because we as trans women face that from sometimes cis women who tell us like not to have masculine or male traits. So it's wild for us to then reflect that back onto the trans men in our community. And then there's also like times in the community where an event will be like, no cis men welcome. You know, I don't know if that's something that you've ever encountered, but like if you're a trans man who passes really, really well, and, and people assume that you're cis, then, you know, how is that going to make you feel? I encounter that a lot because I pass 100% of the time. There's no one that ever assumes that I'm not cis. Um, and I deal, with, I deal with that in all aspects, basically, of my life, is that I deal with that in the cis world, that they think that I'm just a cis man and have all this privilege. I'm white passing, but I'm not necessarily white. I have a lot of native heritage. So a lot of people, yeah, just assume I'm this cis white man. So what does my opinion matter? Because I'm so privileged and all this stuff. Right. And then I deal with it also in the inner workings of the queer community and trans community because I'm a bi trans man and dealing with gay men and whatever. I get that part of discrimination because I'm a trans man. And then one thing that I have been talking about a lot with people online is that one thing I don't think people really realize about trans men is we lose our first queer affirmations if, like, not all, but most of us, I would say, start out in the lesbian community. And once, you know, we come out, we're pushed out of that and basically kind of are abandoned from that. And so we lose the first queer affirmations and sense of community that we have. And that is one big problem that I have with you talking about people thinking their identity is superior to the other is, you know, we're the most oppressed and that kind of stuff. So 
only our opinion matters and everyone else needs to shut up. And that's kind of what I feel as a trans man has been happening to us is that this part of our perspective is being lost because we're being silenced in that way. And that's kind of my biggest thing on what I'm having a problem with. And, you know, sometimes even I'll admit, like, I'm guilty of playing up just like how much trans women go through and all of that. And, you know, I'm guilty of acknowledging how just how much trans men equally go through as well, because transphobia affects everyone in lots of different ways. And as you said, you get it from gay men, you get it from trans women in the community. And so it's like, what is community, you know, at that point? Yeah, and that's one thing, like, even some of my friends have mentioned this to me, that they don't see me having a lot of other trans male friends, and I never really have because of that. And honestly, from what I get from most of the trans mass support groups on board, is that most of us don't really feel like we have a sense of community, like, most of the time I don't. And it's hard to find because a lot of us feel that way, and this is just my perspective and what I've lived through, especially coming from a small town and that kind of stuff, is that it's hard to find community as a trans man, especially, like I said, about not being a lesbian anymore. And so, like, we lose that grounding from women and then other trans men. A lot of us like to stay stealth, so they don't talk about it or anything. So, yeah, for us, it's like, where do we go? Yeah, and it's that last part you mentioned is actually one of the reasons why I've had a hard time getting trans men on the show is because I know trans men that are stealth that wish to like stay that way completely, and I respect that. But yeah, there's a lot of reasons for that. Something I wanted to touch on that you said there, does having a partner who is a trans woman, does that at all affirm your journey, your experience? Is that comforting to you at all? It is and it isn't, especially... I never thought I would be in a T4T relationship, especially when I was single and that kind of stuff. I was not seeking it out, especially for me, you know, being mostly stealth in my life. Because like I mentioned before, I don't really talk about this kind of stuff or do interviews or, or any of that. Because for the most part, I do live my life pretty stealth. Like I'm not out of work except for... The ladies in the office figure out that I'm gay, so they like that, but they don't know that it's <laughs> trans. But yeah, in my relationship, it doesn't really do much for me, affirmation-wise, you know, in my transness or maleness and that kind of stuff. But it does do things that I never really thought it would. Just being able to relate to somebody else who is trans and understands the same things that I go through and that kind of stuff. And... I never thought it would be nice to know have the same shop day as someone else. That's <laughs> nice and cute sometimes. But it does and doesn't do the things for me that I thought it was going to do. And that's understandable because, as you said, there are times right now, like even I'm conflicted with the fact that I'm so out and open about how I'm trans. Because prior to even making this podcast, I was... I guess there's not really like a word for it, but it's something that I think we should talk about because it's something that a lot of people experience, but it's like partially stealth, I guess. And that's being like stealth at work, stealth 
to my entire partner's like family and friends and all of that aspect of being partially stealth, that can be conflicting because yeah, sometimes I have to have people to talk about these things to, you know, but it's hard to, when you are living that life, it's kind of like good and bad because sometimes you're also like less absorbed in it and you don't care about it as much. And then part of you is like, well, I do need someone to talk about this also. I very much relate to that. I'm like, oh, I don't need anyone. This is just me and that kind of stuff. But then there are those parts of you that's like, I do need someone to talk to about this. And I think that's kind of unique to the trans male experience is all of us kind of go through that, you know, I'm a man, I don't need anyone. Or that's kind of what I've experienced with testosterone is that it makes me way less emotional. So I'm like, yeah, very much, I don't need anyone to talk to. I can deal with this myself. And then you get to that point, it's like, oh, I need to talk to someone about this. Like, does anyone relate to me? That kind of stuff. And I guess that is what is kind of special about having a trans relationship is that you do have those points where it's like, okay, this person gets me on a fundamental level. Yeah, absolutely. Because like I have a cis partner. If I bring up any of this trans discourse to my cis partner, <laughs> he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm just like, look, this is some chronic he doesn't even have he doesn't even have social media so he's like what and i think you know you and i that's like one thing that i'm i'm glad that we connected over because you were one of those people like even though i say i hate instagram you know because it really does ruin my mental health it connects me with really awesome people like you and we have these really cool conversations that make me realize okay i'm not alone somebody understands what the fuck my perspective <laughs> yeah. is and so i appreciate it for that i appreciate the the horrible little app for that and i'm glad that we followed each other because i need to know more about about the trans male perspective myself because there aren't really even in my area a lot of trans guys and there's a ton of trans women here. It's crazy. So yeah, it's, it's like the doll capital. It's interesting how like different regions do that. And that's another thing that a lot of people don't really think about how trans men integrate into society. Cause like there are a lot of trans men in Seattle and I know of them, but I don't speak to them, especially the ones that I don't necessarily relate to their experience because in Seattle, something we've been messy in the DMs about is the non-binary experience. <laughs> um, but in Seattle, there's a lot of non-binary trans men. And I'm a very binary male, and I really don't relate to that. And it's kind of one thing I also think is another discourse in our community that needs to be dealt with is that there is yeah. a big difference. I think more people are finally starting to talk about it, that there is a big difference between non-binary and binary trans people. And I yeah. think it is especially pertinent to men that I don't think a lot of people are thinking about is that, no, I'm a man, period. Like, there's nothing else yeah. to me. I don't identify with any of the, you know, envy um, or... Trans, trans mask or, as they say no yeah, like yeah that's none of that is pertinent to me and for me in seattle that feels really isolating for me and i haven't really seen a lot of other areas i guess especially like for people that are out because they don't want to be out especially people that like right. live in the south and like texas and your area and that kind of stuff it's like why would they which i totally yeah. get it 
there's probably so many trans men here that I just don't even like, you know, they just are stealth and I've never even thought about it. But yeah, I'm sure that is very isolating. And I want to ask you about that too, because this is something that I noticed like with that whole kind of language, this shift in language that we've been seeing. And I think it's perfectly fine. Like there's no harm being done in saying that the trans experience and the non-binary experience are different experiences, both valid, but different experiences. And I just think at this point, we need to refocus on the people who are transitioning, whether that be socially or medically, whatever. And what I find interesting is I feel like there's a lot more people that identify as trans mask on that spectrum than people who identify as trans femme on my end of the spectrum. Do you notice that too? And why do you think that is? I do. And one thing that I think a lot of people don't talk about because they don't really give us space to is that a lot of these people that identify as trans mask and then they don't really do any performative mask presenting traits or any of that kind of stuff. Like a lot of these people that are still feminine presenting but want to claim he, him pronouns or they, he or whatever they're doing are rejecting being identified as women because of the way that they're treated in society. And that is fine. Like if that's the way that, you know, you're dealing with trauma around that and that kind of thing. But I think people need to talk about that more because I think these people aren't necessarily trans identified. They're just dealing with their own social traumas in society. And that piece of it, I think, is inherently harmful to the trans experience because no, not all of us are doing that. And then like something that I've dealt with is the people that have been transphobic towards me have said, oh, you only identify as a man because you must have been raped or you must have had all these traumatic experiences in your life. No, that's not why I identify as a man. I just am. That's why that I've always been. And that is what I think needs to be talked about because not we're not identifying as men because something bad happened to us or we just don't want to be women or it's too hard to be a woman or that kind of stuff. That is what I think needs to be talked about in the differentiation of the trans male experience. That is a very distinct differentiation. And it's hard, like, when we have these conversations, because, like, it's hard to be, like, it's just remind people we're trying to be as nuanced as possible because there is a difference between somebody who plans to, wants to, makes an effort to transition socially or medically, and then somebody who just wants, like, a switch up of the way that they identify. That is, like, the transphobic argument against trans men is, like, well, you're just trying to escape, you know, the female experience or whatever. And like we say with certain people of the trans female experience, everyone's different. It's all case by case. And each person is their own unique case. And it's hard to talk about with a broad brush. But ultimately, those of us that are transitioning socially, medically are having a totally different lived experience. Yeah, it's something I think about a lot because it's something that's been used against me quite a bit, especially where I come from. So not actually being in Seattle, outside of Seattle is very red and conservative and small town vibes. And that's where I come from. And so I came out in 2013, which was a totally different time than what we're living in right now. 
I didn't know what a trans person was. I had nothing on TV. My parents are the straightest middle-aged white people you can imagine. So I had no exposure to anything queer whatsoever, except um, for when I hit middle school. And that's when everything kind of changed for me and came up in a time where, yeah, people didn't know what trans was. They barely understood what being gay was really. And there was no language for it. And that's what I think is so interesting to living in now, 10 years later, is that it's like an attack on everything I know in a way. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is the biggest distinction between trans and non-binary people is that the basis of it is gender dysphoria. And for someone to tell me that I'm transphobic for thinking you need to have gender dysphoria to be trans is wildly interesting to me because in a way, why else would you transition, you know, especially being trans mask. That is my opinion on the biggest difference between trans and non-binary men is that if you don't experience gender dysphoria in that way, why would you like fight to transition to male, especially for the social controversial things that we deal with as if you don't feel that sense of dysphoria and the sense of you're not a woman and you want to distance yourself from all of that kind of stuff that is where i find the biggest discourse in the trans mask experience is that these trans mask envies that are like well i'm not a woman but i'm not a man either but i want you to treat me as such as a man that's where right. it gets the hardest for me. And then being lumped into that whole situation as trans mask and that kind of stuff, that's where I get lost in it. Yeah, lost in the sauce. And we start reclaiming our roots again, our transsexual roots once again, you know. And I think that it's important to have that distinction of language to be able to speak about our experiences so that the average Joe Schmo can understand our experience as well. Because I think if we lump it all together, it just becomes really confusing for people, especially trans people. Yeah. I am confused. <laughs> um, <you know? laughs> and I've been like transitioning for like more than 15 years. And I say that like, I'm trying to understand every day. I'm trying to understand like truly, 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 because I want us to be able to move to a point of, Peace And really what I want us to do is just be able to combat this horrible wave of legislation and transphobia and violence that we've been facing. But I would love it if we could do that with people being honest about how oppressed they really are. Maybe we should take a quick break and we'll be back with some closing thoughts from Blake. And we're back. All right, Blake, I really appreciate you for coming on, sharing your perspective, because I do believe that more trans men need to be heard. And I'm trying to make an effort to do that also. I'm sorry that being interviewed is, is not your favorite thing, but I really, really appreciate you for coming on today. It was it was a fantastic chat. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate you trying to do that because I do think that it is an issue that a lot of us aren't being heard or given the space to do this kind of thing. Um, 
especially when it comes to, like we talked about, the kind of what people are viewing as the hierarchy of oppression in our own community, which isn't a thing, but they're making it out to be. Exactly, exactly. We create like this artificial dichotomies and artificial hierarchies, and then they become like this thing for people to gain social clout from. And it's like kind of crazy because we're all just looking for community. Again, thank you for coming on. Can you tell people where to find you, follow you? Do you want people to find you and follow you? <laughs> I don't really care, to be honest, because I also don't care about social media. The only thing I use is the Badman's app on Instagram, which you mentioned uh, for Cowboy. <laughs> yep. I never found out how to use Twitter, and I'm glad that I didn't, because that is a cesspool of something else. <laughs> Agreed. I don't even want to get involved. And I was just talking to somebody else about this earlier today, like, if I was on Twitter, it would be a shit show. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we'll, cl- we'll close out there. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Blake. Yeah, thanks for having me. Beauty Translated is hosted by me, Carmen Laurent, and produced by Kurt Guerin and Jessica Kreinchich, with production assistance from Jennifer Bassett. Special thanks to Ali Perry and Ali Cantor for their support. Our theme song is composed by Aaron Kaufman. Beauty Translated is proud to be part of the Outspoken Network from iHeart Podcasts. For more iHeart Podcasts, listen on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com.